0: Good morning, everybody. Let's see. I took a page out of Chad's book and I printed everything. I didn't put it in that neat little taped-up binder, but uh, I got paper notes. All right. Is Tracy back in here yet? I don't see her. Um, you know that song, There's Another in the Fire... It has that line in it that I just love. It says, uh, I can hear the roar when the space between heaven and earth grows thin. There she is. Tracy, I remember a time, this must have been way back in about 99, 2000, that uh, Dan and Delia Hale were at Word of His Grace. And i got to tell you, that was the meeting that I was probably in that the, it felt like the closest between heaven and earth that the veil was wearing thin. It, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not talking in, in like euphorisms or anything when I say it, it seemed like angels were going back and forth and, and the room was kind of disappearing and heaven was opening up. It was absolutely amazing. I tell you what, if you are ever in a service like that again, it'll ruin you. Or if you're ever in one, it'll ruin you because you just want to go there again and you can go searching for it and you'll drive however far and and whatever to get it but boy that was an amazing day I'm uh, as if my memory serves me right you were on the worship team then and uh what an amazing day but anyway boy to see the space between heaven and earth grow thin is uh is really powerful um well I feel like I got a spanking already this morning you know uh, Eddie came up here and he said if if you just pray and and all he's doing is praying and it doesn't involve everyone else, then what's the point? And so now I feel like I've been doing it wrong every week, you know. So now I'm going to have to change. See Eddie shaking his head like, yeah, you've been doing it wrong, Josh. I know, I didn't want to say anything, but all right. <clears throat> well, let I me mean, know when you pray. uh This is still the pre ramble, but how I many know when you pray? uh Sometimes you pray amiss, you know? Like, you'll be praying, God, 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 heal me of my diabetes. But your breakfast is three donuts and, you know, your lunch is a quarter pounder with cheese and large fry and large coke. Then you have a sensible dinner. Then you have a half a bag of chips and a pint of ice cream for your snack. God, heal me of my diabetes. Why isn't God moving in my life? Did you ever think you might have a part to play in that? Uh, the reason I say that is because the Lord has uh, been dealing with me, you know. Since the last time I spoke, uh, Rachel and I have had a 27-year anniversary. And, uh, and a child who's turned uh, 26... Uh, we've uh, written statements for the coming launch, we've been doing planning, we've been preparing a room, we've been going to classes, we've been meeting for prayer, we've been uh, preparing children's lessons, and we've been going to ministry alignment meetings. So, you know, pretty much just laying around doing nothing. And uh, it's occurring to me that I need more energy. I do, you know, there's a lot on my plate. And so you begin to pray, Lord, I need more energy. Well, you know what? Instead of just supernaturally giving more, me more energy, He began to share with me things that are amiss in my life, you know, and part of it is my diet, my activity. And so, uh, if well, I would take any prayers that people have to offer, because you know what? I love food. All those things I mentioned, that's not my daily eating, but those are all the things that I love. <laughs> and uh, and so, uh, Rachel and I are committed to changing the way that we eat, uh, much to some of the kids' dismay. Uh, but, uh, but I want more energy. I need more energy and I need to eat better. And how many of you know that, you know, Rachel has this long-term disease and we are believing for her to get healed. But if she doesn't get healed, uh, I need to be there for her. You know, she needs me. She needs me strong. She needs me healthy. And, uh, she needs to be able to lean on me. And, and so anyway, kind of starting this, uh, journey toward health. And so anybody who, uh, can pray with me, pray for me, <laughs> advise me, help me, call me out, whatever. I need help because I love food. I know we've had some talks about the changes you're making in your house for Lee. So anyway, I brought my phone up here because we have a lot of ground to cover, and I don't want to keep people here forever, especially since we are having yet another meeting tonight. I'm going to lean very, very heavily on Scripture. So for those of that think, well, this is Josh's opinion, I hope by the time we're done that you may have a change of heart and and be convinced. And if you disagree, then you can disagree with Scripture. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God... uh, I stand here unashamed today to bring your word. I pray, Lord, that you would change people's hearts, that you would speak to people's hearts, that you would take them from where they are to where you want them to be. Lord, we're all somewhere in our journey of walking with you. And if we ever stop moving forward in that journey and stagnate, what a, what a sorry place to be in. So I just pray that uh, for the one who does well, that they do better. For the one who's barely doing, they start to do well. And for the one who does not at all, they will begin. Lord, You're faithful and I love You. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. So. Blessed, blessed, that's the title of my message today, Ryan, that's the title of the message today, and uh, so I'm just going to punch you in the gut right off the bat, all right, because uh, I'm that kind of guy. All right, so I'm going to be reading from Malachi 8, 3, 8 through 12. It says, will a mere, mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I think we've all heard this scripture. It's been taught. It's been talked about. And there's a lot of opinions out there about it. And I want to address some of those today, okay? Now you see why I say I stood up here not ashamed to talk about this today. It's like a big no-no to talk about money, right? (laughs) But you know why I want to talk about it? I talk about this every time I get up here to talk to you guys, that I love you. That the Lord has poured a love for me, a love for you into me. And so what I want to talk about today is not because Wellspring needs more money. It's not a manipulation tactic. It's not, uh, a desire to at the end say, we gotta have your money. It's because I love you and because there's a path to blessing that God has ordained. And if we don't walk in it, then what can we expect? Let's tackle some of that. So one of the biggest things, uh, that, uh, people love to say is that, well, Tithing is just an Old Testament, uh, the law thing, you know, set in the law to tithe. But we're out of the, from underneath the law, we're, we're living, you know, redeemed by Christ. He's moved us into the blessing. And, I mean, no, that, there's elements of people that ran through the, uh, like wildfire through the church that said you don't have to tithe anymore, you know. But, Let's look at some scripture. Tithing was around way before the law was given. i will look at Genesis 4, 3 through 7. 4, 3 through 7. It said, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. Right off the bat, how did they know to bring offerings? How did they know to bring sacrifices? The Lord taught them. The Lord taught them what was good and right to bring to Him and what they should do. And right off the bat, the Lord says, if you do what is right, well, He must have known what was right to do. God can't tell you what's not right to do and then expect you to know how to do it. So He knew what was right to do, but He brought a different kind of offering. See? And sin was crouching at His door. Why? Because His heart was inclined to do what He wanted to do. Just like it says in Malachi, you know, you've robbed me. And you say, how have I robbed you? And tithes and offerings. See, they knew from way back, all the way back in Genesis, what was the right thing to do, what to give to the Lord. And he clarified that time after time, as he, as time went on, and he gave them the law. But right from the beginning, they knew how to bring a sacrifice to the Lord. And I want to move on to Genesis 14, 18 through 20 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The tithe. Abram gave the priest the tithe. Well, this is way before the law was written that told us how to give a tenth to the priest and what it took to support the priesthood. So, there again, this thing that, well, the law tells us to tithe. Scripture itself debunks that. So, Abram was blessed with... Riches untold, God increased him mightily. But that stuff didn't own Abram. Abram, when he saw the man of God, he said, "I want to give." He freely gave to him. All right, I want to look at First Chronicles twenty nine six through sixteen. One thing, this is uh, I love this because. <clears throat> What we have here is this scene, you know, how many know, we're going to camp here for a second, but how many know that when the Lord began to deliver the Hebrews out of, of Egypt, uh, by the time they were ready to go, the Egyptian people were just throwing their gold at them, just take it all, you know, <laughs> take our gold, take everything. Just please leave. We don't want to lose any more kids. You know, suddenly their gold was not as much value as as their life. You know, it's funny how when your life is on the line, your opinion of your <laughs> your wealth changes. So God just loaded the Hebrew people down. They escape into the desert. Can you imagine what a target they must have been traveling around with all that gold? And believe, this wasn't a nation of warriors. This was a nation of slaves. You know, they really, uh, needed God's protection. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, you know, that, that pillar of fire and cloud of smoke that was there to lead and guide them. I wonder how much that, you know, other enemy said, whoa, uh, maybe I won't go after that gold. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes I just think like that, you know? So here this nation was just absolutely enriched with gold and that was given to them that they didn't earn. And then they go into this land and they have houses and vineyards and farms that they didn't plant, that they didn't build. This was a people absolutely made wealthy by the Lord. He did it for them. You would have had to truly be arrogant to say, this wealth is mine. I earned this. I did something to deserve this. So in First Chronicles 29, we come along, and I started in verse 6, but actually I'm just going to sort of tell you about 1 through 5. Look, we've got a lot of leaders in here, don't we? And we need leaders to lead. We need leaders to kind of set the tone. So in one through five, David, King David is telling the people that, look, Solomon's about to do this building project and I have given and he begins to list all that he gave. He gave and he gave and he gave to this building project. And so then in verse six, His leaders catch a vision for it. He said, "'Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron.'" Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And then he went on to write a song. He said, I'm not even worthy, Lord, for this outpouring that the people gave. But... Look, how many people in here are in Chad's leadership groups? How many of us are his elders now? Do you see this? David gave, David set an example. His leaders caught that example and they gave ridiculously, crazily, And then the people saw it and rejoiced. And then the people began to give. And there was just such an outpouring that it was absolutely amazing. Guys, that's an opportunity. We are at that threshold now. Chad has demonstrated to us how to absolutely pour out. And he's got some leaders who are catching that vision. He asks us to to not give much, just Everything to lay down in the dirt and die and become that grain that springs up and becomes, you know, a whole harvest. Not much, just everything. Our time, our energy. And there's a place for us to pour out our finances too. Not only just because someone's asking, but because it's been modeled for you. And... I want to, by the time this is over, demonstrate that, uh, you know, (laughs) God wants to see us pour out too, but He has plans. All right. Let me see, this is David's prayer. He said, David, praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, Lord the God and our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. See, he realized where what he had came from. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Do you catch that? Do you catch that we have only given back what comes from your hand? We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. You know, those people made a sacrifice of their wealth that they had acquired, and it reminds me of this story. I used to, uh, I was, I was telling Chad about this, but, you know, I don't know how many people know about the ministry, uh, Elevation, um, Elevation Worship is putting out a lot of music, but they're based in Charlotte. And they started out with one campus, and now they're, I don't know, 10, 12 campuses, or whatever, but, you know, every December, uh, Stephen Furtick, uh, begins to preach a series on giving, and then at the end of the December, he asked some people all December to pray about what they would give and what they would do, and then at the end of December, on December 31st, they take up a, a giant offering, and uh, and that allows them to do planting and move on with uh, new campuses and new things they want to do. But uh, I'll never forget, he was preaching this one Sunday service, because I used to like to listen to their podcast, and... He was, he will sometimes preach at the different campuses. And so he was at this one campus and he was talking about giving and he was listing some examples. And he was talking about people who had prayed and they heard from the Lord and they decided, you know what, I get a, I get a Starbucks every day on my way to work. And that's five bucks a pop. They said I could cut out my Starbucks and, you know, I go to work 20 days a week. There's $100 right there that I could give to the Lord, you know. And so the Lord moved on them to give $100 a month uh, to give out their coffee. Other people said, you know, my cable bill is $50 a month. And he, and the Lord was moving on their heart to cut out their cable bill. And they could give that $50 a month. And they said, I'll probably be more blessed because I'm doing something better with my time anyway. He was just listing examples. Other people, you know, heard ridiculous things from the Lord. I can give $100,000, you know. Just every person has their means. Now, am I telling you guys to do these kind of things? No, I'm telling you to hear the voice of the Spirit. See, let me give you a little hint, a little key to Christian living and uh, something that the Lord taught me. At the end of... Uh, Deuteronomy, Moses is teaching the people one last time. He's going over the law with them, and they're about to be led by Joshua to go into the promised land. And so after he recounts everything to them, he says, now, if you obey these words and listen to his voice, then you'll be blessed. And see, it's not a one thing or another. If we follow the words written for us in the book and we hear his voice, then we will be blessed. You know, um uh, Chad has often talked about, you know, balance. People that have only the word will tend to get dry and legalistic and people that have only the spirit will get wild and out there, you know. And and that very thing that that um Moses taught them was bringing balance to that. Yes, listen to all the words that I've taught you, but listen to His voice as well. So these people that were giving at Elevation, they were listening to His voice in their giving. So, just a little bonus there. A little bonus how to live for Jesus. But anyway, here's the thing. He was preaching at this other campus, And he said to them, I want you guys to realize that you are sitting in someone else's sacrifice. The people at that campus, they didn't build that campus. The people a year previous that had prayed, who had sought the Lord, who had given up up their lattes, who had given up their cable, who had... Heard the Lord's voice and gave and made a sacrifice. The people at that campus were sitting in their sacrifice. And He was calling on them to make a sacrifice so that someone else who had not yet met the Lord could sit in their sacrifice. Powerful, powerful. I'll never forget that. And I'm, I'm praying, guys, that there are going to be people in Evansville who are going to sit in our sacrifice. You know. And I'm praying don't don't before anyone gets it twisted. I'm certainly praying that there are going to be people here in Henderson that are going to sit in our sacrifice as well, because everything that's coming to Evansville is coming to Henderson as well. So, all right, First Kings seventeen eight through sixteen. The Israel had gone into a drought because uh, Elijah prayed that it would go into a drought (laughs) because God was doing something in Israel. And so the Lord was taking care of him. He was had him by a brook. There was a raven bringing him food. You know, supernatural provision. But it said the brook dried up because there is no longer rain in the land. Then the word Lord of the Lord came to him, him as Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. But Elijah tells her, don't be afraid, make me the meal, and the rest of the story goes that the flour, the oil to make the meal, it never runs out. It just keeps providing and providing and providing. God had a plan to work something out in this widow's life. How many of you know sometimes the Lord has to position us? (laughs) And sometimes that positioning is hard for God to do something in our lives. God had an intention to do something in this widow's life. But, uh, it had to be mighty uncomfortable getting positioned there, you know, to have, to be, have nothing. And I love this too because, you know, she's faithful, she gives it. But then, sometime later, her son dies. And she says, Oh man of God, did you keep me alive just to, just to, uh, well, let's see how, What do you have against me, O man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? That's what her words were to him. Like, why bother keep me alive and then now this, you know? But then God does something, or God does something amazing through Elijah, brings the son to Elijah, Elijah prays for the son, and he's raised from the dead. See this, lady was positioned for something more than just provision in her life. And that's what I want us to go begin to catch a a vision of, is being blessed with more than just money in our lives. Because this lady was obedient and gave, it positioned her to not only have food during the drought, but it also positioned her to have her son brought back from the dead. What if she had said, no, prophet, go on your way? Then surely they would both be dead. But because they obeyed, they came under the blessing of the Lord, and the Lord was able to move in their life. Say, so, well, that's a bunch of Old Testament uh, things, but we're talking about the New Testament. See, some people say giving's a law thing. Some people say well giving uh, was an old testament thing or tithing you know <clears throat> there's giving in the new testament but there was tithing in the old testament I would challenge you to find anyone who doesn't believe in tithing that is a generous giver that doesn't start with the basics but is just a ger- generous giver I would say it's quite rare So here's, here's a few examples of the times during Jesus' days. Mark 12, 41 through 44. We know this as the widow's mite. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And watching the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury, many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. Some of what she had to live on. Oh, wait. No, no, wait, my glasses are acting up on me. Most of what she had to live on. No? (laughs) Messing around. She put in all of what she had to live on. See, this lady was moving in great faith. And that's why heaven marveled. Jesus marveled. Because this lady, you know, they gave out of some of what they had. They were going to go home and not know where their next meal came from. They were going to come home and still be able to pay their property taxes. But this widow, she gave it all to the Lord in faith and then had to rely on Jesus, had to rely on the Lord to move on her behalf. That was great faith, and Jesus marveled at it. What else does Jesus have to say about tithing? This is a big one. This is uh, the one. This is my favorite one right here. I think it says it all. It's very hard to argue with it. So later they sent uh, Mark twelve seventeen actually 17, but I, I'm going to read back up to 13. Later on they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch Him in His words. They came to Him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said, Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin, and he asked them, Whose image is on this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Well, what is Caesar's? Taxes. What's uh, what's the American government's here at, and for us? Taxes. So he says, pay your taxes. And then he says, give to God's what's God's. Well, what's God's? The tithe. So you would think it's ours and that we have an option. But it's not. Jesus said, give to God what's God's. What's God's? They all knew what's God's. The tithe I think it's pretty clear. Give Caesar his taxes and give God his tithe. Then he talked in Matthew uh, six19 uh, through 21, verse 24, verse 33, says, "Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moss and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal." But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, this is what I love to teach about the tithe because I have a testimony about tithing that I'm going to share at the end. But where your treasure is, your heart will be also. See, tithing has... Like almost no other thing, an ability to reveal your heart. How you feel about money, your love of money, it can tell real quick. It can separate you. How many remember, there are so many scriptures on giving, I couldn't write them all, I would be preaching till next Sunday. God talks about money like crazy. And you know why? Because it has a way of revealing man's heart. How many remember the rich man, young ruler? That's not even my notes. This is a bonus. The Lord told him after he said, "I've obeyed all the law." He said, "Good, give everything and come follow me." And the man was sad and went away. See, money had a way of revealing his heart. Money is a powerful tool. Many have misquoted and said that money is the root of all evil, but money is not the root of all evil. Money is a powerful tool. The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, I view the money and, and Internet as something very similar. They're just powerful tools. They can be used for great evil, and they can be used for great good. You know, the Internet can bring uh, pornography and help traffic humans and help plan uh, terrorism. But the Internet can also get the gospel into North Korea. The Internet can also help us keep up with a missionary around the world. The Internet can also help us shut in hear the gospel. The Internet is a tool. It can be used in many different ways. And money is a tool, and it can be used in many different ways. And it can have us, or we can have it. And these things... Can tell us, uh, you know, how we handle it tells us a lot. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. How many remember? This is another bonus one. When Jesus talks about Lazarus, and it says there's a man who lived a life of pleasure, you know, and and then there was Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, bosom and the guy was saying, you know, send Lazarus to me to. To just give me a drop of water and, and the Lord said, you know what? You had your pleasure this whole time on earth while Lazarus had little. But now Lazarus is in heaven and you are, you know, your treasure. You had your treasure. You know, would you trade in eternal treasure for a short time of treasure? I can't answer that. I know where my heart is going now and where the Lord has taken me though. But would you trade it all in forever for a short time? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, this is why that the gospel of name it and claim it uh, can be so disastrous because it really still teaches that I'm giving so I can get. That the money, you know, is for me. And if money is your end purpose, then you've chosen your master. You know? You know who owns you. You know who has you. See, God gave us giving to reveal our hearts, to train our hearts, and to change us to be more like Him. There seems to be a great uh, <laughs> cord between our heart and our wallet. And it has a way of revealing who we serve. And so if you teach a message on giving that says, you know, if, if you give this, if you work the formula, then you'll get this from God it's really an unbalanced teaching because then it's money still has you. And there are some things that God does promise to those who give to Him, but you know what? Some of it's a whole lot more than money. That widow didn't need money when her son was dead. Those Egyptians didn't need their money when their firstborn was dead they needed another kind of blessing. And the Lord when the Lord promises a blessing in Malachi, he's promising much, us much more than money. John 12:3 through 6. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold in the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. There again, giving has a way of revealing our heart. Her heart was to pour out everything on Jesus. And his heart was to get a hold of that money. The money had a way of revealing what was inside of them. It was already there. The money just revealed it. Ooh, I like this one. Mm, this is a really good one. I'm going to read from up there because I just realized uh, my version on this part is different from what you guys have. So Luke 16:10 through 12, he was faithful in a very little thing, is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That's really powerful. You know what? Some of us in here are believing for bigger things. We're believing for people. We're believing for families. And if we can't be faithful with little things, how can God trust us with big things? I am believing for a day when... I, I It's happened in a little, a little here and there. But I'm believing for a day when I can lay my hands on people and see them recover with rare regularity. That's one of the greater things. But how can God trust me with a greater thing if He can't even trust me to handle money? You know, there's a lot of currency. His power is a currency. Money is a currency. How many know information is a currency? Do you know that people used to fight wars with swords? And then they used to fight wars with bullets? Today, people fight wars with information. Information can topple a nation. Information is a currency. So can God trust us with the currency of information? If He tells us things, can He trust us with it? Or are we going to be like the person who took their talent and buried it in the ground and hid it? How about that for currency? What are you doing with what God's telling you? Hmm. He is faithful with little. Is faithful for much. I want you guys... I am, this is, uh I want to tell you that I took some stuff from a fella named Robert Morris. I think that's his name. Yeah, Robert Morris, The Blessed Life. Well, if you guys ever get a chance to listen to that on YouTube or read his books, I would highly encourage you to do it. Uh It's just a really an awesome series, but I want you to know I didn't just pick out of his stuff. I went... I dug, I searched, and I found to talk to you guys from my heart. But Robert Morris is giving an example of this very thing. And he's talking about, so Robert Morris has a daughter. She is precious to him. I could relate right away. I have five daughters, you know. Chad, you can relate. Three daughters. I know they're precious to you. They mean a lot to you. So... Robert Morris was talking about tithing. This young man began to court his daughter. And so they were asking him, have you looked at his tithing records? He's like, you're darn right, I've looked at his tithing records. And the you know, young man was a little nervous. But uh, he said, why would I not look at their tithing records? If I can't trust that person with money, how could I trust that person with my daughter's heart? That's powerful. If you can't be faithful with a little thing, how can you be faithful with the greater things? And guys, there is much greater things we're believing for in here. So let's be faithful in the little things, from the from the least of us to the greatest of these of us. But I know I'm talking to a lot of leaders in here. The parable of the talents. I just kind of hinted at that one. That. Uh, you know, a man goes away and he gives his servants things to work with ten, five, the, the two, one, two. And so when he leaves, he's expecting something in return when they come back. And the one guy goes and multiplies it, he's got something to show for it, the other guy goes and multiplies it, he got something to show for it. The other guy just goes and buries it because he's fearful. He doesn't want to do anything with what the Lord has given him. What are we doing with what the Lord's given us? Are we being faithful or are we burying it? Are we are we sewing it all back into ourselves? Or are we doing something with it that will bring a harvest that we can show our master when he returns from this long journey? He's coming back from his long journey. Some of us say it's been too long. It's it's been it, He's delaying. That very story is said the master delayed. He'd been gone a long time. You know what? The people in the Bible thought that it was all going to wrap up in their time. 40 years, 50 years, the Lord was going to return. 2,000 years later, we're still waiting. And people say, oh, the Master's not coming back. He's delayed a long time. You know what? The Master is coming back, and we are going to give an account for what He's given us. So what's our account going to look like? Oh, Lord, You gave me ability, and I used it. You gave me wealth, and I used it. You gave me a talent, and I used it. You gave me a voice, Lord, and I went out and became a pop singer and got wealthy and famous so I could have sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it was all about me. You gave me an artistic talent and I went out and made myself rich and famous and wrote books and sold back into myself and built mansions and drove Maseratis when You gave me a talent, Lord. Psalm 37:25 this is a promise from the lord here's some old testament i would suggest everybody here, you want to you want to see god's promise to you uh here's some homework go home and read psalms chapter 37 it's amazing <laughs> i reduced it to verse 25 but i wanted to read the whole chapter to you guys it's amazing david's talking about or the psalmist is talking about what god's heart is toward man, toward giver. And in verse 25, he says, I was young and now I'm old. He means I've lived a long time. I've seen a lot of stuff. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. You know what those who follow the Lord? It's like it says in Malachi. If you are righteous and you follow Him and, and follow His ways, then you're going to be taken care of. He's going to take care of you. Vicki, I know you're a note taker. Psalm 37. You're going to want to read that whole thing. Circle it. Put a big mark, stars by it. It's a beautiful chapter. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 17 through 19. It says, not that I desire, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from, yep, that guy, Epaphroditus, what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to Paul. No? Well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, this is what I was talking about at the beginning when I said, I'm not preaching because we need your money. We have learned how to move in supernatural faith. The Lord has put us in a place of faith. When we move in His vision, He pours out and He meets the supply somewhere. But Paul says, I am so glad for your gift because you benefit from the giving. This is going to your account that you gave, that you provided for me. And that this is my heart in what I'm talking about today with giving. It's for your sake. It's for your sake. It's for my sake that I give, that I'm blessed, that the devourer gets rebuked off of my life. In Acts 4, 34 through 37... Guys, this is a big one. I don't know how many people want to move into this. For there was not a needy person among them. This is the early days of the church. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each one as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now that's radical, generous giving there. And for some people, the Lord's going to put that on your heart. Other people, that's not going to be what the Lord puts on you. You Now I think of that song uh, that uh, Billy Ray Cyrus used to sing, uh, Not Achy Breaky Heart. No, not that song. No, he sang another song, and it was you know at that time it was right we were having the Gulf War and stuff, and He wrote this song, and in the song it said, "All gave some, and some gave all and that 's what it 's like in the church, you know some of us are giving everything. Paul put it like this, being poured out like a drink offering. You can't get that back in the bottle. His life is spent. Chad calls it laying down in the dirt and dying. You know, you, you just give it all. You spend all of yourself. And some in here can give... All of us in here, though, can give some. Whatever that sum is. But you guys know the rest of this story. Then came the two, Anani- Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to be counted as those who gave it all. But they kept some back for themselves. You know, the sin was not the keeping some back for themselves. That would have been... The apostles would have celebrated them had they come and said, we sold our land and we kept X amount, but we want to give this to you. But you know what? They wanted to be known as those who gave it all. But... Secretly, in their heart, they were not they were money still held sway over them. like, well, you know, just in case this God thing doesn't work out, I'll keep a little back for myself, you know, hedge my bets. The other people weren't hedging their bets, they were all in. I mean ever you watch poker, I'm all in if this thing doesn't work i'm I'm out, you know, out of the tournament, out of the game, I'm all in. Alright, tithing, this is going to be radical for somebody in here or someone watching, tithing is just training wheels, it's a starting point, you know what, God is calling us to ridiculous generosity, above and beyond, rarely do you see someone who teaches against tithing, that's generous See, the tithe is the starting point. That's the, that's, that's so you don't rob God. That's His part. What would happen if you didn't pay your taxes? Well, in other countries. Here, you just keep on not paying them, and it seems like, no, there's never a consequence. Unless you're a mobster, and then they finally put you in jail, because that's the only thing they can get you on. But, uh, but if you don't, in Jesus' time, if you didn't pay Caesar's taxes, I sure You know what they had there? Debtor's prison. You would be in prison until your taxes got paid, which is a little hard to pay your taxes when you're in prison, but someone from your family, hopefully, would pay your taxes. But not paying your taxes wasn't an option. It was a, a very pr- <laughs> dangerous offense to not pay your taxes. But yet... We don't give God his. there's not going to be any consequence. What's God going to do to me? See so we rob God. tithing is the training wheels. that's where he begins to test and train our heart. Are we his? Because I tell you what hundred percent of it's his. You can lie to yourself, you can tell yourself a different story, but a hundred percent of it's his. Well I'm strong, I go out and work. Who gave you that strength? Well, I'm smart. Who made you smart? You know, I marvel at dumb people all the time, and I thank God that I'm not one of them. (laughs) That's terrible. But you know what? (laughs) God gave me that intelligence. I don't I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Do you know well, I I deserve this money because I'm an American. I could have been born in Somalia. Flies crawling on my face. You, to, you know what? We had some friends of ours who went to the Marshall Islands to adopt uh, two children. And they were crushed. They were heartbroken. They wanted to bring home all the children. You know why? Because as they were there in that town, they saw little naked kids reaching down, scooping up dirt, And eating the dirt just so they would hope that their bellies would feel full. They were eating dirt to get a feeling of fullness. I could have been born into that. So who am I to tell God what I have is mine? It sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. I'm a smart guy because he made me a smart guy and God gave that to me. Um, Others are strong. Others understand electricity. Others understand rockets. Others, you know, are union carpenters and painters, and they're paid well, but that's not theirs. They didn't, you know, God gave them that, and how dare we not give Him His 10% back. Training, tithing is training wheels. God's calling us to so much more than that. So I want to share with you Uh, my story. I used to not tithe. I used to not give. I used to give God what was left. I remember I seen a billboard once on a church and said, give God what's right, not what's left. Ooh, (laughs) kind of hurts. But you know what? That was me. I paid my bills, and then I saw if there was something left for me to give to the Lord. And the Lord really began to challenge me. You know, we Rachel and I lived a up and down and up and down financial life and you know how it is right when the car breaks down is right when the toilet springs a leak and right when you know your child has to go to the emergency room and you know you've got a three thousand dollar deductible and just you know how all of that hits and that used to be our life and we were always behind and the Lord began to challenge me to tithe, and it, ble- it didn't come at the good time. And <laughs> said, like, "You're wealthy, you know. You you got enough." Like those Pharisees who gave out of their abundance, said, "No, you know, it it hurt to tithe." But you know what? I slowly gained an understanding that I couldn't afford not to tithe. And <laughs> I want somebody in here to get that. You can't afford not to tithe. Uh Jason brought it up. By the way, you know, that was a minor miracle yesterday morning to just keep me silent because I knew what I was preaching on and, and everybody was just stepping all over me. But uh, but the idea got brought up that more blessed is the 90% in God's economy than 100% in our own. And um, And so the Lord had to convince me that I couldn't afford not to tithe. And all I can say is that it's transformed our life our financial life, but many other things in our life. And no, I didn't give to God, and all of a sudden Rachel's MS was cured, and you know... Nothing ever happened again. We're not even talking about that. I'll tell you what, it did change my habits, though, and make me begin to think different about money, and, hey, maybe I ought to put a little back, and then the next thing, time i got to pay a plumber, well, you know what, there's some money in my account to pay a plumber, and it's not an emergency all of a sudden. You know, tithing can teach us a lot about how we use our money, but we can't afford not to tithe. And I'm talking to the person out there, Who's everything's going wrong. And can't afford not to tithe. God, God's children have never been left begging bread. He will take care of us. Now we may be tested in every single way. God says test Him. We may be tested. We may start giving and have everything go wrong at first. And He's going to find out real quick where your heart's at because it's not really even about a money issue. It's about your heart. It's about the bigger things, all right? And so God challenged me, and I was just going to lay, you know, now my life looks like this. We give our tithe. That's 10%. I wish... All of it was to here, but Rachel and I are credentialed ministers, so some of it has to go to the Kentucky District, some of it has to go to the National AG. And because we're not the head ministers, the rest of it gets to come here. So I'm grateful that I get to sow into here. But then I get to give $50 a month to James Turner. How many of you all remember James Turner that came here? I love that man, and I want to see everything that he does prosper. So I get to give $50 to him. I also get to, uh, give $60 a month to my mom. My mom's a widow. $60 isn't a whole lot, but, you know, Chad, I was watching David Youngy Cho's message on, on prayer. And, uh, and I listened to what he had to say about prayer, but also, one of the biggest things that struck me in there was he was talking about how he gives back to his parents. And I tell you what, I just fell under conviction, and I thought, "Yeah, my mom needs help." And so I started at one amount when I saw that two years, and I've moved it up with inflation each year and give to. I'm hoping that someday I'll be able to give her a hundred dollars a month. So I want to take care of my mom, who's a widow, you know. But I'm just telling you, this is how God's working on me to give, you know, and we've been blessed we've been blessed we've been blessed and then there's offerings on top of that that i i love to sew into one-time offerings but just know i was a guy who sometimes gave i gave as the spirit led i'll never forget i was at a service and a and a guy had the ushers hand out this this really happened i'm not just telling a story it was down in madisonville the guy's uh, had the ushers pass out little sinkers to everyone. He said, there, now you've all felt led. <laughs> I used to give as I felt led, but now I give purposefully and with intentionality. And as leaders, if we can't believe God to take care of us with our money, you know, let's say when we went to CMN. They said they shouldn't be your leaders. I know we kind of balked at that. but these, If you can't trust God with your money, you have no business leading people. And so I'm going to just say it boldly, you know. That's a little hard for us to wrap around that one. But if we can't trust God with the simple things, how can we lead people? We're not even leading ourselves right as a Christian, And we're going to lead other people. You know, the Scripture said for those who are supposed to be elders, they have their house in order. You know, that they rule their house well. If we can't even rule our own budget and pay our tithe, how are we going to help lead in the church? Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. worship team. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Sow into the kingdom. Plant into the kingdom. Give to the kingdom. Give to the Lord. Let the Lord move on your heart. And then all these things will be added unto you. See, the Lord knew money wasn't really the issue. The Lord could provide. The Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Lord owns all the riches of hell, of, of heaven. So the money isn't really the issue. But if you'll seek first the kingdom, if you'll be like Solomon, who could have said, Lord, I want to be the richest man who ever lived. Instead, said, he said, I want wisdom. And so God gave him wisdom. And oh, by the way, He made him the richest man alive. You know, because at that time, the Lord had His heart. Unfortunately, we know Solomon's story. It's a sad ending. He began well and finished not well. I want to be someone who finishes well in every aspect of my life. So I have these two questions for you. And this isn't really going to be so much an altar call, but like Chad says, every message deserves a response. If we're not giving you something to respond to, what are we doing up here? We're wasting our time. We're filling your time and ours Do you have faith to trust God in your giving? Do you have the faith to trust Him with the basic 10%? Do you have the faith to live generously? Do you have the faith to be a ridiculous giver who says, you know what, I've got an extra piece of land and I'm going to sell it and give it all to the church? or I'm going to give all my money. There's a whole nother side to this giving with first fruits about our time. We talked a lot about that yesterday as well. And some people, the Lord's going to call you to give your time ridiculously to Him. But who somebody, I, the Lord is moving on people in here, and if no one else, the Lord's moving on me to move more and more toward a lifestyle of just generosity. Like Chad said, we're going to be handing out Invite soon to our new church and we're going to begin to do it here to come and be a part of what we're doing well if you have a $50 meal and leave a $5 tip don't put that invite card there you know just just keep it in your pocket but if you're generous and you tip and you bless the waitress Leave her an invite card. It might be just the thing she's looking for. I was eating at a place, uh, Big Bang Mongolian. You guys might know it. I work in the same complex. And there's a waitress there, and I tip her generously. And one day she opened up her life to me and talking about how her defibrillator is getting ready to be replaced. And even though it's the third time and it's sort of normal for her, she was scared. And I got to pray with her. But you know what? She might not ever talk to him with me. She's like, "Well, that's that jerk that leaves me a dollar or, or nothing." You know, use our unrighteous mammon to win friends in this world. Be generous to your waitress and leave her a card. It might just be the lifeline that person needs to come and join us. Let's move into generosity and beyond the training wheels. And second of all, whether you're in this room or you're watching, I don't want to miss this opportunity to say, I I don't even trust God with my life. Never mind my money. I don't even trust Him with my life. I want today to be an opportunity for you to trust the Lord. To know Him, to come to Him. To say, you know what? I've tried it my way and it's not Working, We got to share with a young man just last Saturday morning, and he said, what he's doing isn't working. And maybe that's where you're at today. You know that you've tried it your way, and it's just not working anymore. And so we invite you to come to Jesus, to surrender to Jesus, to like, To do like Chad always says that happened with him is, Lord, I'm just putting my hand in Your hand and I'm not going to let go. I've tried it my way and it didn't work and now I'm giving myself over to You and trusting You. So, do you have faith to trust in God with your giving? And do you have faith to trust God with your life?
1: something, I surrender all, and uh, we were, Josh was talking about, we had 14 or 15 men, and we were uh, ministering to a young man, and he was just saying, I don't know how to find happiness, I don't know how, how many have ever been there, I don't know how to find happiness, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what to do. And I can remember me asking those same questions to myself. How do I find happiness? And can I tell you how to find it? We were all trying to explain, and everything that was coming out of our mouths was the same thing. That there was a time when we tried to find happiness by what we could give for ourselves. What we could do to make ourselves happy. And then something happened. And I want you to think about this. You ever see these ceiling fans? There's a switch on them. Let me know that. The switch means the air goes one way in one season and it goes the other way in another season. It means the air goes down at one point or it goes up. And there's a switch in your heart. Where you can say to yourself, I'm going to get everything I can give for myself. And you flip that switch and it goes exactly the other direction. And you say, what can I give to this world of me? Now I want to ask you a question. What if Jesus came into this world and all he said was, what am I going to do for myself? What am I going to do? I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to do things for me. What if Jesus did that? But he didn't. He said, what can I give to this world? And when that switch flipped in my heart, and I said, what can I give to other people? Everything changed. And it was true. Better to give than it is to receive. And I learned a lifestyle change. That Jesus, I want to be just like you. I want to give instead of receive. I want to pour my life out to the people that are around me, and guess what? You find true joy. Whenever you pour your life out and you say, I want to be just like you, Lord. That's what it means to surrender. Hallelujah. You flip that switch, and it goes exactly the opposite direction, and God begins to fulfill your life because you're following Jesus. Doing exactly like He did. I want to be just like you, Lord may have ever felt that hallelujah man i tell you what that makes me excited what a great message and church that's all we're saying let's just surrender all let's collectively as a church and i'm going to close with this quick story the largest church in the world is dr yong yu cho who you talked about it's been the largest church in the world for a long time and but a lot of people don't know there was a time he's in south korea And there was a time the pressure of the whole world was on that man because he decided to do a building project and God had put in his heart that we're going to build an amazing church here, but he didn't have the money. And so they had put up the uh, structure of the church. All they put up was the the skeletal structure of that church and they put all the rafters up and everything. And he was laying there and just crying and crying and crying. And he said, Lord, the pressure of the world was on him and he just didn't know how God was going to do it. And all the financial things were crashing on him and he just didn't know what to do. But he knew that God had said, I'm going to do a mighty work, you do it. And so he came to the church that night and he just began to tell him God had called him to do this and and and, and 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 the weight of the world was on him and 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 he was praying and they were having a prayer meeting and and all of a sudden out of nowhere this peasant woman, very poor. In fact, she probably was the poorest person they all knew her. She was so poor. And she walks to the front of the church and she says I give you this bowl and everybody was looking around and they were saying what, what are we going to do with the bowl You know. and she said that's all that I have the only thing I have I eat my rice on that every day and I give you my bowl and people would just begin to weep and cry and they they knew she was poor. They knew she was impoverished, but she said, I want you to have it. The widow's mite, have you ever heard of that in the Bible? The widow brought more than anybody else had brought. She brought a mite, that's all she had. And Jesus said, look, you want trumpets when you give, you want everybody to celebrate when you give, but look, she gave all that she had and it was a little mite. And do you know that when that woman brought that bowl that all everything broke loose in that church and people began to bring all the they bring they bring gifts like they'd never brought before and do you know because of that woman's little bowl that became the largest church the world has ever known in fact they go into north korea and bring medicine for tuberculosis i mean the darkest country in the world they're in and out of that country and they minister to homeless they minister no, i don't think there's another church that has more ministry than that church but it was all because of a woman's little bowl that she gave because it was all she had and church can i tell you if we collectively give all that we have because we're trying to be like him that's what I want to be. I want to be like him. I don't care that if I have anything left at the end, who cares? It's all gonna be gone anyway. Give what we have collectively to see lives change. You know, there are people all around us that are depressed and addicted and depressed and, and ready to die right now. And God's just saying, give it all. Give it all. That's all we're asking for is just, just give all you have. Your time, your talent, your energy. Why do you think God gave it to you? Not to take it to ourself, to give it. And then you'll be happy. You'll find real joy when you
2: give. And I'm
1: going to close right now. If though I don't, I'll still be preaching until 3 o'clock. Hallelujah. We're going to close in a word of prayer. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, go find me. I want to pray with you. I want to talk to you about it. I just want to inquire about it. We want to talk to you. Praise the Lord. But let's give all. Go get a bite to eat. If you can come back, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about how can we give all that we have to reach people for, for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. We thank you for what you're doing in each person's lives, Lord. Lord, we just want to be like you, Lord. We're all just trying to be like you, Lord. Help us with that, Lord. Pour your Spirit upon us, Lord. Do mighty things in our midst, Lord God. Oh, Father, touch every heart that's here. Lord, let them be blessed, Lord God. Let them be joyful, Lord God. Let them be full of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lord, do mighty things, Lord. your name we pray.